Hey, Sandy, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderfully. It's so good to be here with you. Oh, my God. You know, like, the, the pleasure is mine, actually, Sandy. You know, like, to be quite honest, um, this is something that, you know, like I enjoy doing every single time. So, you know, so I have a blast. Um, I'm going to start pretty much right off the bat by asking you a really simple question. But, you know, like it, it, it probably gets our, uh, you know, our listeners to know you better. But where are you located and how has been the pandemic going for you? Wow, I noticed that that's something that you like to ask your guests, and it is fascinating because it does vary from one place to another. Right now, I'm in Los Angeles here in Southern California, and I have to say that my experience has been a little different than many of my fellow Angelinos uh, because of the fact that I actually spent most of 2020 and certainly 2021 entirely Uh, working in person, on site, uh, which was very different from what most of my friends and acquaintances were doing. And to be honest, I enjoyed it because it made me feel far less isolated than other people in my in my community of friends. And um, have you seen people kind of, um, you know, we've seen a rise in depression, anxiety, um, panic attacks, um, you know, like uh, even, you know, like some, some, you know, like some would mention that there are, you know, like rises of suicide, you know, like all of these stuff, you know, like, have you seen kind of, you know, like similar um, numbers or, or similar changes in, you know, like the people close or not so close to you behaviors? Absolutely. I have to say that I personally am not a fan of uh, working from home necessarily. Uh, I do see that a lot of people might say right now, oh, it's been so cool. It's been so fun. It's so relaxing. I can be in my pajamas. But to be honest, I don't think that's the majority of people. I think most people do feel a sense of isolation. And it might not take its toll immediately. In fact, that's why some people might say, oh, we're having such a wonderful time, you know, working uh, while we have bunny slippers on or pajama bottoms on. But the reality is that after a while, I think that gets old and it does lead to a deep sense of isolation. I'm speaking uh, from experience because I used to live in a different country than I moved here. And when I initially moved here, I was basically uh, out of necessity, not choice, uh, forced to freelance while finding a steady job. And well, I'm I'm not a big extrovert, so you might assume, well, being that you're more of a homebody, you probably enjoyed enjoyed working from home, right? Well, actually, no, not really. I think that, especially as an introvert, unless you're forced to go out and socialize, which normal in-person work forces you to, it tends to be tremendously isolating. And I did know in the past, and I have known people now with COVID, uh, uh, COVID closure still in in effect in some places, uh, that end up in, let's say, destructive relationships or carrying out destructive uh, behaviors such as overeating or overdrinking 
or overindulging in things such as online shopping, or just uh, not feeling very well, maybe feeling a sense of loneliness. I've heard people mention that. So it's interesting. At at the place where I work, which is a courthouse, part of the largest court system in, in the world, really, we were given the option of uh, working from home or in person. And I would say that roughly half of my co-workers opted for home. Now, many of them certainly might have compromised uh, immune systems or maybe have family situations that make it better for them from a health perspective to stay home. But I don't necessarily think it's the best choice for me. Definitely not. I think that my own mental health would definitely suffer, as I've seen has been the case for others in many in, on many occasions. Does... <clears throat> In terms of, you know, like the people you help, you've seen difference as well? Well, let me tell you, I wrote a book called Choose to Prevail, uh, which was actually launched toward the end of 2020. And seeing that it was something that was going to be launched while the COVID issue was in full swing, I actually included a, a chapter on how to cope with loneliness and the difference between being lonely and being alone. People have responded well to that chapter. In fact, I was recently invited to address a group of traveling nurses. These are healthcare professionals that travel from one state to another as needed. And consequently, they have, uh, well, uh, by the very nature of their job, difficulty establishing deeper ties, or perhaps uh, they don't have the time to make many close friendships, and they find themselves alone often. And for them, uh, they mentioned that this chapter was uh, quite useful in the sense that it gave them an, uh, a little bit of a different perspective of how you could deal with your time alone. Some of the things that I suggested for when you when you find yourself alone is to engage in a creative project or a creative activity that requires originality. It could be a business proposal. It could be a painting. It could be songwriting. It could be a novel. It could be anything that requires deep originality. And when you're alone for an extended period of time, that's the best time to engage in this because you are not swayed by the opinions of others or in any way influenced by by your peers or your uh, acquaintances. So Normally, creativity tends to go through the roof. It's a very good time to engage in that kind of an activity. It's also a very good time to do a little bit of self-exploration, see if there's anybody that you are missing more than you expected to or actually not missing, even if you expected to miss them. And that will help you realize uh, who you need to strengthen ties to as soon as things reopen or as soon as you can, and who you might be better off, you know, uh, maybe letting fall to the wayside when it comes to your social circle. And I include several other tips in that regard, because the important thing to remember is that being alone and being lonely is definitely not the same thing. You can be in a in a crowd and feel very isolated. You can also be part of a couple, maybe in a marriage and feel very disconnected, which could also be very lonely. And you can be by yourself and be having a, a wonderful time. However, I do think that if this goes on for an overly extended period of time, let's say months and months and months, and you really are not um, in, in enjoying uh, social interactions, 
that might uh, not be not be the best course of action. It might be time to explore why you're not interested or why you're not doing it. Is it social anxiety? Is it that you haven't built a rich enough network of friends? Is it that you don't care for the friends that you do have? Maybe you need different friends or better friends or different activities or find something that's more compelling. So that's pretty much something that I explore in one of the one of the chapters and people have responded favorably. Wow. That's so interesting. Um yeah, you know, like I, I, I you know, I, I've seen changes in people. I've seen changes in my, in, in me. You know, like I, I tend to re, you know, like prefer to be home, um, but I now miss people. You know, like that's, um, yeah, you know, <laughs> oh, I miss, you know, like I miss seeing people. I mean, I miss the con, I miss the contact of people, and. Um, yeah, you know, like it's it's uh it's weird times right now. You know, like where, yeah, like we're, we're we're we've never been as connected as we are. At the same time, so distant, and at the same time, you know, like the the um, we realize how important it is to have the u- human contact. Um, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And the other thing is that up to a certain point, sometimes it is a case of the grass, the grass being greener on the other side. Sometimes when we're at work, we think, oh, it would be so nice to be home. And then when we're home, it's like, oh, it would be so nice to see my friends from work. But you really do need to um, to find a, a balance in some way, no matter what you're choosing to do or what your uh, work or career path is is. Uh, actively forcing you to do. For example, me living in a different country from where most of my friends and family members are has made me be uh, very social, very open to social media. And I'm, I know that social media is very controversial, especially these days, but not to me. To me, I find it a, a fabulous way to to connect with people. And I do feel that the world is pretty small, actually. To me, it doesn't feel like my friends that might be in other countries are in other countries. It feels like they're right here. So I I really do think that certainly, I mean, everything in moderation. And of course, there might be downsides and upsides to everything. But social media really is a tool that one could certainly use for good or for evil. But when used uh, for its purpose of connecting and keeping you uh, connected to others. It's it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. The other thing is that when you are alone, when you're at home, when you're working from home, something that is very important to, to keep in mind is that sooner or later you're going to have to rejoin, let's say, society. So it's it's not a good idea to fall prey to overeating, overdrinking, or any bad habit that will really make it more difficult to re-enter, you know, um, normal normal life eventually, because it will happen and you want to show up healthy, you want to show up fit, you want to show up, uh, you know, feeling good about yourself. That's one thing. And the other thing is that I've seen this happen with some of my coworkers, and they have specifically mentioned it, that they didn't expect to be spending so much money now that they're working from home. Because, I mean, of course, you might think it's so wonderful to be home because I'm free to go to a coffee shop, go to a restaurant, do a little shopping, go to the bar. Uh, You know, these things are fun, but they're also expensive. 
And if you're doing them maybe only over the weekend, well, that might be more manageable. But if your calendar allows you to do this every day of the week, all of a sudden you might find yourself well in a very difficult situation because you might have your credit cards all maxed out despite the fight, despite the fact that you were working uh, normal hours simply because you have more freedom to to spend in a way. Yes, and you know, like the, the you know, like that the there's definitely a cleavage between people that do have kids or young kids and people that don't, um, or that their kids are older. Um, you know, like the, it, 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 you know, like it, it, it's forcing a lot of these enterprises or employers to realize that. Um, you know, like the the what the showcased or you know, like their marketing was full of the balance between personal life and you know your professional life. Well, now it's kind of forced into you know, like it's a true balancing act right now. You know, like it's it's a real one. When we had our kids home, and you know, even now, where you know, like I'm a few minutes, so I'd rather drive him to school than him having taking the bus, or you know, like all kinds of stuff where. You know, like these these companies needs to, they're being forced into applying what they've been selling, the work life balance thing. Oh, absolutely! And the reality is that up until, well, as you were saying, COVID forced uh, things to you know undergo a, a really uh, dramatic shift. The reality is that most businesses are not uh, built with working parents in mind, or certainly not with single working parents in mind. When I moved here, I, I was in a very difficult situation because on one hand, I needed to find employment, but also it had to be employment that paid me enough money that I could uh, figure out childcare or some form of help because I am the mom to uh, a child that right now he's not that little, but when I moved here, he was. So what ended up happening is that I found uh, a fascinating new career path, but at least while he was younger, I was literally, and I'm not even exaggerating, having to devote half, half, yes, half of my salary to paying um, a person to drive him to school and back home after school. So that person basically made uh, a crazy amount of money for what half an hour of work a day, but they can really name their price because working parents and single parents that have no additional support system in a new environment are basically, well, uh, they have no other choice. And certainly people that uh, carry out that kind of task. For example, people that might work as, let's say, a playground monitor for a school, they do command rather high salaries because even though they might not work a full day or many hours a day, they work at a particular point in time where they really could not hold a full-time job themselves. So they do command rather, rather high um, salaries, but it was crazy. I actually had to devote half of mine to pay this person for half an hour's uh, work per day. So that's that was crazy. I do understand that that was not something that, that should have happened, but that's just the nature of, of the way many or most businesses were structured prior to COVID. Absolutely. 
Um, well, we'll go back to our regular schedule. Um, you know, like what I usually do with my guests. Um, I want you to just kind of rewind the tape of your life story. Um, as much as, you know, like you want, you know, like I, I, you know, like what I'm looking for is kind of the, the first either compelling event, you know, like that happened in your life or kind of a, you know, like something that you would say would be a kind of a milestone in your life story. Um, while, you know, like at the same time, you, you may draw me a bit of a family picture, you know, like tell me a bit of your, your siblings, your parents and so on. So where, where, how, how much back do you bring me? Yes, that's. I think that we can certainly go back to uh, when I was uh, following my previous career path. I was living in Mexico City at the time, and I was the editorial coordinator for one of the most influential newspapers in Latin America. And this was something that really fascinated me, Alex. I was extremely, extremely um happy with the way my uh, life had turned out uh, when it came to uh, work and career satisfaction. It was a career path that was very well suited to my skills and also to my interests and also to just my personality. And I loved it. I mean, I can't say enough good things about that career path. However, there was one problem. And the one problem was that it was all-consuming. The very nature of that type of job forces uh, people in that line of work to be in their newsroom for pretty much uh, every waking hour. I mean, 12 hours a day, 13, 14, 15, 16 hours, perhaps more if they're closing uh, an, an issue or an edition of something special. So it was a, a, a strange situation, Alex, because I was on the one hand, very happy and very fulfilled on certain levels. But on the other hand, that was all that there was. I had a, a wonderful immediate family, uh, very loving parents, two wonderful siblings. Um, however, the difficulty in this is that I was barely able to interact with them, firstly, because they were on similar career paths. And my work certainly didn't leave any space for Interaction And the same thing happened with my closest friends. They were also uh, busy professionals or uh, high-powered um, business owners. So we were kind of all in the same boat. So the love was there, the ties were strong, but it was almost impossible to have any actual, you know, face-to-face -face time, let alone uh, an outing or any kind of a fun activity. Uh, let me give you another example. I, I like traveling and I did travel for work back then uh, with relative frequency. But for fun, I remember uh, because I didn't have any additional time. One time I went to Brazil and I stayed there for literally a weekend. Uh, another time I went to the UK and I stayed there, if I'm not mistaken, like three days total. Because I had, I mean, that's, it seems like a waste of money and maybe a waste of, of effort to get places when you're really not going to stay there long. But that was the only option that was available to me at the time. And here's the thing. At a certain point in my life, a series of, of very challenging and dramatic events took place. Firstly, I, I lost my, my father. He passed away uh, way before his time. 
And shortly after, uh, I also lost my younger brother, which certainly that was also before his time. And these were very tragic and very trying uh, situations. So that really got me to thinking that perhaps at some point I would need to explore uh, a new career path. Uh, but I, that didn't really force me to take immediate action. Another couple of things happened uh, in my life that also made me, you know, reconsider situations. I, I was a crime victim uh, a couple of times, rather scary situations, including one in which I was abducted at gunpoint and, and knife point. So I was um, getting a little bit paranoid about being out at night. But the nature of my job, you know, it forced me to be out at night. Whenever I left my, my job, it was already very late, certainly. So um, eventually things got to the point where I decided to take action. And it was perhaps very unwise from a professional per, uh, perspective. But it was the right, right choice for me from a personal growth and personal personal perspective overall. And I decided to move from Mexico City to a place that is, by comparison, a little bit more laid back, which is Los Angeles. And I thought, I think that that was, in hindsight, uh, a very good idea for me uh, on a personal level, although at least initially not on a professional level. And fortunately, sometime after my move, after certainly a few false starts and, you know, moving in different directions until I got some traction, I actually found another career path that I enjoy just as much as journalism, and that also allows me to have a life outside of work, and that's that's fascinating to me. I think I've been very fortunate, and I would encourage people that feel uh, stuck in a situation to definitely find a way to get out. <clears throat> Is it too indiscreet to ask you what happened to your brother? Because you you, you tell about you know kind of a traumatic event around that. Well, the thing is that, unfortunately, it was very unclear. It was very unclear. It was a situation that, for reasons unknown, his health uh, took a dramatic and shocking dip almost overnight. Again, the exact cause of why this happened is to this day unclear if it was in some way uh, instigated by an incident or an individual, it's unclear, but it was, it was very traumatic. It was a person that was in reasonably good health, uh, falling dramatically ill nearly overnight. And this was something that happened. It was a very surprising, very shocking thing that certainly shook us all to the core. How old was he? He was in his early thirties. Wow. That's young. It is. Yes, it certainly is. So you can certainly imagine that that is something that will should cause it should cause anyone to reconsider. And this is something that is uh, very important to keep in mind, not to shock your listeners or horrify your listeners in any way. But the reality is that none of us are very clear on how much time we have left on this earth. And I'm not saying this to be. Uh, horrifying or to scare people. But let me give you another example. A very close female friend of mine who was actually a godmother to my son. She was um, a very good looking lady, a very healthy, I think she was one of the healthiest uh, 
people I, I have ever known. She truly led what we now know as a healthy lifestyle. She was one of the very first people I know that embraced yoga and Pilates. And she was also um, also uh, very, very mindful of her diet. Uh, I think she was a uh, pescatarian initially, macrobiotic at a, at a different point in time. A beautiful woman, very good looking. She ran a modeling agency and she was very successful. In fact, her modeling agency was uh, featured on a show that was uh, the Mexican version of America's Next Top Model. And she was a public figure, lovely, lovely woman, also spiritually, um, you know, very, um, very interested in spiritual growth and such. Well, she was very young, beautiful, super healthy, and she loved to travel. That was something that she really enjoyed. Well, at a certain point in time, she decided to travel to Egypt along with another group of people just for relaxation, meditation, you know, you know, energy recharging, you know, the pyramids and all of that. So she did. And as fate would have it, she was uh, picnicking along with her travel companions. And it so happens that the Egyptian army mistook them for terrorists or for the enemy. And they pretty much bombed them and they were all killed. And my friend certainly was very unfortunately a part of that. And, and that was, uh, I mean, that was a very untimely uh, demise. It was something shocking. Whereas I have also met people that are, you know, not leading a healthy lifestyle and they might be doing fantastically. They might be... Um, I met people and I've known people for sure that have been, you know, uh, abusing substances or just not taking care of their diet, certainly not taking care of their bodies in any way. And they might be what in their 60s or 70 now and at 60s or 70s now and doing just fine. So you really never know what the future will hold. And I'm not saying this to horrify or shock. But the reality is that once we are aware of that possibility, it can help us lead a fuller life because we see that we need to squeeze every last ounce of enjoyment out of our everyday activities. This is something that we can also see on a smaller scale. Now with COVID, for example, let's say that, like me, for example, I have a couple of movie theaters that I really enjoyed going to. They were my favorite places. I really liked them. Now with COVID, they shut down. They're just not coming back. Now, if I had known that it was my last day at those movie theaters, the last time I went to those movie theaters, well, I would have gotten the large size popcorn. I would have gotten myself a drink. I would have fully enjoyed the movie. I might have stayed for a double feature. That's the thing. We need to, without, you know, without freaking out, without feeling terrified, we do need to understand that everything might eventually come to an end in some way, shape, or form. And consequently, we need to really enjoy things as best we can as they're happening. Sometimes, uh, let's say a friend might move away or, um, I don't know, different things might happen. We might find ourselves, uh, you know, needing to explore a different career path. We might find ourselves in a situation where... Um, a restaurant that we like might change might change management and now it's a different menu. Basically, things 
change, stop, and can disappear. And this is something that certainly, while in many cases it's tragic, in other cases it's just a fact of life. And in any case, we need to understand that, for example, when we're with, with loved ones, rather than pick on them or explore their faults or focus on their shortcomings, Really, what we need to do is really relish their company and the good that they bring into our lives and really enjoy our time with them. I'm sure that we have all experienced a situation where we have been broken up with and the moment the person breaks up with us, we feel, I could have done more. Why, why, why didn't I do this? Or I should have been more appreciative or, you know, that kind of thing. But why wait until people are actually breaking up with us? Why not, why not do it while we can actually, you know, enjoy the relationship, right? Yep. Does, um, how does that, all of these events has impacted your own life? Sandy. Oh, it has definitely had a big impact. Definitely. Well, certainly I try to really, really um, enjoy things as best I can. And I also don't like to save my enjoyment of life for weekends only. Many people also fall into that trap. They spend weekdays doing things that are for them are not pleasant at all. And in fact, you see them on Monday and they're like, oh, it's Monday. And then you see them on Tuesday and they're like, oh, my goodness, it's barely Tuesday. And then you see them on Wednesday and they're like, oh, my, it's nearly the weekend. And then on Thursday, it's like, oh, just a shorter time till the weekend. And, and it's like they're racing to get to the weekend and they're really wasting their life in a certain way because they're wasting the majority of the days of the week by not enjoying the rest of their time on this earth, really. I mean, no matter where you are or what you're doing or what day of the week it is, there's something of value that you can find. Like, for example, people at work, some people, like, for example, they're still going to the office, right? And they might say, I hate my job. I hate my coworkers. I hate my activities. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I, I would suggest see if there's something that you like about it and focus on that. Maybe you do enjoy something, be it the coffee house near your work that you can stop by for a cup before uh, before you start. Or maybe it's one particular work friend that you do enjoy, you know, swapping stories with. And if there's really nothing that you like about your career, then it really is a time to make uh, a change maybe not, you know, maybe not just walk into the office and say, hey, I'm leaving because that would be a little bit impulsive and a little bit unsafe. But you do need to to make a shift in some way, maybe start out by starting out small. Maybe you can start by revamping your resume, uh, reaching out to people, going on LinkedIn and make, making sure that everything is uh, updated. Um, you know, reaching out to industry people, seeking out networking events, many are virtual now. So you really do need to take action, take steps towards something that feels better to you. And also try to schedule something every single day, Monday through Sunday, that you relish, even if it's a tiny little thing like a phone call to a friend or watching a specific thing on TV that you wanted or, you know, something. You really cannot let life pass you by definitely that's something that you cannot do and it would be it would be a waste of your time on this earth to just you know suffer through the week you need to make life happy for yourself and um 
professionally, you know, like where do you decided to, you know, like what was your aspiration? You know, like where where do you want it to go? Well, when I moved to Los Angeles, uh, the reality was that I was not set on a specific industry. I wanted to move here because in the U.S. in general, work days are far more contained than they might be in Mexico City. In the U.S. in general, a work day lasts until 5 p.m. It doesn't go beyond that. It rarely does. In Mexico, normally, if you were to, you know, pre- uh, you know, try to to step out and go back home around five, well, people would assume that you were basically a slacker. So that's not normally the thing that you would do. You would go way longer than that. So I did want to be uh, in a country that had a more contained work day. And then, I mean, obviously, California, I mean, stereotypically, it's it's laid back and it's it is a stereotype i mean some people certainly are very driven but let's say overall the stereotype i think it does hold true so um i think it was a good choice of a city in the sense that it's still a city and i'm a city person i've always lived in, in big cities and this one is a little bit smaller than than uh mexico city so it it was slightly uh, more relaxed. So that was a good thing. Now, I did initially try to find a job in my own industry in media and publishing because that's, well, that was where I had uh, an extensive background. But to be honest, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't something that I was able to find quickly uh, because among other factors, well, one of the factors is that I was indeed um very experienced in, in in that field. But here's the thing. Many people in the U.S. are not familiar with foreign publications. So even though what I had on my resume might have seemed impressive for someone in Latin America, it might not have seemed impressive for somebody here. That's one thing. And then the other thing is that this was at a particular point in history when bloggers and other content creators were creating fabulous content for free And that did not make many media companies eager to actually hire and pay uh, new arrivals. If anything, they were cutting back on their uh, workforce. Um, And I mean, bloggers and content creators honestly were a boon to me as a consumer of content, but not a boon to me as a seeker of employment. So the reality is that I was invited to take part in a few interesting creative projects, but mostly as a volunteer and for the fun factor and for connecting and making, uh, you know, new friends in a new environment. And I was happy to do that, but I did need to find actual gainful employment. Eventually, and not a minute too soon, I have to say, I discovered a field that had not even even been on my radar, which is court interpreting, uh, which is truly fascinating. It's a field that was also, much like journalism, very well suited to my interests and also to my particular skill set. Everybody has their own and everybody has a career that is very well suited to them. In this case, I think that it was a match for certain. And one of the things that I enjoy best about my current career as a court interpreter, I'm an in-house interpreter for one of the largest courthouses in the world, actually. And one of the things that I like best is that this is a job that you do in real time. Whenever you do um, many of your day-to-day activities, be they for business, for work, or for recreation, 
you do something now in order to achieve uh, a result in the future. For example, I'm an artist as well. So when I'm, let's say, uh, you know, mixing my paints, well, I'm doing something now and I will have a finished result of painting a few days later, maybe. Uh, or when, when you are, let's say, a pastry chef, you might prepare a pie now and you will have your uh, pie a few hours from now. If you work in research, well, you might be doing medical research now and you might discover a, a vaccine or a cure for cancer or something many decades in the future. But in the case of interpreting, it's something that you do in the moment, in the now. It's very now focused. And once you're done, you're done. You're done. There's nothing more. There's nothing else. It's something that you do then and now. I think that few things have that quality. I can think of maybe a sports announcer, maybe an airplane controller that you do, you're do. you doing something that requires a lot of concentration, but it's in the moment. And once it's over, it's over. So I think that's, that's a very good choice of career for a person that needs uh, some time to themselves once the workday is over. <clears throat> were, were you able to, you know, like tran transmit that to others, you know, like kind of that, that way of thinking, that philosophy, how, do, you know, like were, were you able to share that with, with others? I think so. And I, I think what's interesting is that I feel that sometimes people don't uh, value uh, the things that they currently have. For example, I can certainly picture uh, people, no matter what their their um, current career path may be, not feeling happy in the sense that they might think, oh, okay, this is boring. I do it day in and day out. Well, maybe that's the case, but that also gives you, I mean, if it's very easy for you, that also gives you the opportunity to do additional things on the side. You might have uh, more time for socializing or more time for exploring additional passions. For example, um, if somebody has a, a job that they might not find challenging enough, they can certainly complement that with a hobby or an external activity that they do find challenging, just for balance. In my case, I, I wasn't necessarily looking for that because my work is challenging. It really is, even if it's more contained. But I did need um, more, let's say, uh, additional outlets for creativity. So once I moved here to LA and, and I eventually settled into, into this career path, which I seriously enjoy, I was also able to explore art. So now I'm, I'm painting. I will take part in an art exhibition uh, early next year. I was also able to begin a very interesting new hobby, which is winemaking. So I'm doing that also, uh, not as a professional, but as a hobby. And it's, it's a lot of fun. I was also, um, you know, a lot of uh, friends in media actually did reach out to me. So I ended up doing, I still do, a lot of media activities uh, during my spare time. For example, I edit a magazine. I wrote a book. I will, um, I have a new video series that's about to launch later in, in 2021, uh, this winter, where I interview people that have overcome tremendous challenges in their lives. So I've been able to do a lot of a lot of interesting things. And that's something that I try to share with my with my friends. The thing is that life is short, you only have one life. So 
there's not, it's not that you have to focus your attention on one thing and one thing only, particularly if that thing is not something you're passionate about. I mean, there are many things that you can do. I also enjoy fitness activities. I often take part in fitness challenges. That's something else that people uh, really, uh, you know, it's a great way to socialize and, and something nice that you can do for your own health. I think that that it's important for people to know that there are just so many things out there. The world's just so vast that you're doing yourself a disservice if you're just doing the same thing over and over again every single day, waiting for the weekend, uh, staying home, not venturing outside your front lawn, uh, you know, overeating, overdrinking, trying to find satisfaction, uh, you know, in, in unhealthy ways, when there really is a world and there is a life that's meant to be explored and savored. You told me about, you know, like some, some of the challenges you had to overcome um, in terms of, you know, like your, your own life. Um, can you can you tell the listeners um, how you were able to, what were they and how you overcame them? Oh, absolutely. I think that something that's important is remembering that there tends to be a silver lining in everything that, that happens to us. Uh, for example, this is something that I would not necessarily recommend to people, not at least not as specifically, but what I would recommend is that people seek silver linings in, in their everyday lives. In my case, I had a situation that maybe others struggle with, which is that I had a tremendous uh, degree of freeway phobia. I had a phobia of going on freeways, driving on freeways, Um which to many people in Los Angeles was hard to comprehend. They just couldn't wrap their heads around that because many people here in LA feel that freeways are just like a regular street. If anything, they might feel that there's a lot of traffic and that it moves very slowly. But that was not my experience or my perception. Uh, bear in mind that I, uh, for the most part, I've spent my my entire driving life driving in, in Mexico City where traffic is really bad. I mean, I would say it's bumper to bumper. It would normally take you an hour to go anywhere, no matter if it's close by. It's just it's just the way it is. So when I moved here, I really felt that driving on freeways was terrifying. I found it was terrifying. I thought it was um, tremendously, um, tremendously challenging. To me, it felt like I was you know, racing in uh, the NASCAR races or, or flying a plane, even though nobody else would feel that way. But that's just the way I felt. And phobias were like that. They're irrational. And that's that's just the way it felt. So um, I just couldn't I just couldn't deal. So for the first years that I moved here, I simply did not drive on freeways. I would only drive on surface streets. Now, this, of course, had the downside that I was, uh, it took me a little bit longer to get to different places than it would take my friends. However, the silver lining was that I was able to see the city, uh, see beautiful sites, discover interesting places, you know, so it was it was fun for me. However, at some point, I thought, no, I really need to overcome this in some way. Now, I couldn't figure out uh, a way to do that. I just couldn't. It was just, I tried and it was just terrifying. I would go into a full-blown panic attack. But then, you know, one thing happened, um, something happened in my in my personal life. I discovered a situation with uh, uh, a boyfriend that I that I had at the time. I discovered that he was, uh, you know, uh, a situation with, with him, you know, 
also going out with this other person. And it was quite a shock. It was one of those things that seriously could shake anyone to the core. I would say that it was nearly as shocking as the death of, of a person. To I mean, to be sure, it was something that really... Uh, it it blindsided me. It really left me in a in a very very poor emotional state, so much so that I felt tremendously sad. I mean, like like hollow, tremendously sad, terribly sad. I can't even begin to describe the the sadness and the grief. Now, obviously, that was not a pleasant uh, feeling or a pleasant situation, but I do think that it's impossible to be terrified and super sad at the same time. Think about it. You're either terrified or you're super sad. You can be one thing or you can be the other thing, but one kind of cancels out the other one. So I was feeling like so tremendously, uh, you know, sad, like the grief was just so overwhelming, the sorrow, you know, that I just couldn't bring myself to feel afraid, even if my life depended on it, you know, it's, it's, it kind of canceled out the fear. So I thought, okay, I feel terrible, you know, emotionally, but I certainly feel no fear. So this is the perfect time to try, you know, to just overcome this freeway phobia. So I, I took that opportunity to venture onto the freeway, you know, for small stretches at first and then for longer stretches. And before I knew it, I was feeling quite comfortable on freeways. And eventually, you know, the sadness lifted, as it tends to do. I mean, time, for the most part, heals all, all wounds. Uh, but the phobia was gone. So I was able to pretty much take a really bad situation, which was, uh, you know, feeling heartbroken and turn it into something favorable, which was using heartbreak to get over the phobia of driving on freeways. So I thought that was interesting that sometimes uh, a feeling that nobody would relish cancels out another bad feeling. Yes. And were there Eddie, you know, like you, you told me about a few of these um, challenges or phobias or, you know, like that, that you overcame. Um, were there any others that you, you, you know, that you were faced with that you overcame as well? I think so, too. I mean, I think there's one that I believe is pretty much universal, but there are degrees. And that is that when I was uh, young, younger, as a child, as a young teenager, maybe a, an older teenager, even my early 20s, I was, I would say, tremendously self-conscious, terribly, terribly so. Uh, so much so that speaking in public was, uh, forget about challenging, it was just something that was impossible. It was something that would send me into a total panic. It would be, uh, you know, terrifying, not just something that I didn't enjoy, but something that I really could not do. And it's interesting because sometimes you speak you speak with actors or public speakers and they might say, oh, I was terrified while I was on stage. But you think, well, nobody could really tell. I mean, the person looked just so confident. Nobody would have thought that the person was feeling anything less than super confident. But the reality was that in my case, I couldn't really play it off that way. It was very, very obvious. I had the tendency to blush like deep red and I was sweating and I was quivering. And it was visually very, very, very obvious. Um, and, you know, eventually I, I grew out of it. Well, it's not so much that I grew out of it. I had to grow out of it by force, I would say, because one of the very first, actually the very first uh I would say not so much a career, but a job that I had right after college was um, 
tutoring executives from, from Fortune 500 uh, companies in English, uh, financial in English, I mean financial terms. These were mostly bankers and people from brokerage firms that needed uh, or wanted tutoring in, in that particular field. So obviously, if you're going to be teaching a class, it's impossible for you to be uh, you know, hiding behind your desk or, you know, just dying of terror the moment you uh, walk in front of a class. You just can't do that. You're forced to do that. So I was kind of forced into, um, you know, outgrowing this tremendous fear and phobia. And, you know, something that was very useful to me was this. The reality is that I thought back on my experience when, you know, uh, watching others speak I, I believe that I'm a person that focuses very much on, on speakers. I, I think I'm a good listener. And even I feel that I'm not paying 100% attention 100% of the time to what other people are doing, saying, wearing, etc. For example, when you're at a concert or in your, when you're at a sporting event, even if you bought the tickets and you're a fan and everything, it's not like you're 100% focused on the quarterback or the batter or the lead singer or the drummer 100% of the time. At certain points, your mind might wander or you might, you know, go get a snack or you might check your phone or different things. So people are really not watching our every move. And then I got into the habit of realizing how um, how little attention people really are paying to us. For example, if you think about a friend of yours or an acquaintance that you've seen uh, recently in the last few days, if you were asked to describe their clothing and their shoes and so on, you very likely would not be able to do so because people are just not picking up on every last detail. In fact, I understand that there was a, a really funny uh, experiment in which volunteers were asked to wear the most embarrassing item of clothing that they that the um, investigators could think of, which in this case was a Barry Manilow concert T-shirt. And they were supposed to be wearing this concert T-shirt while out and about. And people would say, no, my friends will, you know, they'll make fun of me. And I don't know, I don't want to go out in this T-shirt. Well, but that's what the experiment was. And the reality is that none of their friends, nobody noticed the T-shirt at all. So once you kind of uh, understand, at least on an intellectual level, that people are just not paying that much attention, it really takes a lot of the pressure off. We really are our own worst critics. And it's something that, I mean, it's it's somehow hard to internalize but once you see examples in your own life like think back on the last time you saw a friend and try to remember if they made any mistake while speaking or what their um their hair looked like i mean minor details you really don't remember and once you realize that others are really not paying attention you stop feeling that tremendous pressure that we sometimes put on ourselves Does, um, do, do you, you know, like, so, so are you out there offering help for people that, you know, like do have any of these phobias, challenges, um, kind of, you know, like, the, the, you know, per, per, you know, like are, are stuck in their lives? Yes. I believe that the book that I wrote, the title is Choose to Prevail. 
by me, by Sandy Rodriguez, has been helpful to many different people. In fact, if I'm allowed to brag a little, I have to say that it was voted uh, uh, second place. In other words, I, I got a silver medal in the reader's favorite uh, awards, 2021 awards for best nonfiction book in the grief and hardship category. Basically, many people found it helpful in overcoming different forms of grief that they might be experiencing in their life. I'm also a finalist at this time for the best Latino international Latino book award in the health and well-being category. Uh, so I am going to be getting a gold, silver, or bronze medal, not sure which, but I'm going to be getting one of those in October of 2021. So I understand that people have found it helpful. I offer um, insights on many different topics, not only on these very dramatic, very deep situations such as the loss of a loved one, but also things that are a little bit, uh, let's say, smaller in intensity, but that can also trip us up, like, for example, how to deal with uh, physical insecurity that we might have or, you know, body image insecurity that we might have or how to deal with, you know, jealousy that we might feel when we see people in our circle or on social media that we might feel that we would like to be in their shoes or how to deal with uh, difficult people that we might encounter. All of these things that really are things that we find in our day-to-day -day lives, that's what I wanted to, to offer readers of Choose to Prevail. I wanted the reader to complete uh, the book, finish reading the book, and feel like they had a cup of coffee or a glass of, of uh, I don't know, soda or a glass of wine with a supportive friend, and that they can feel much more self-confident and with much more faith in the future. And apparently it's been, it's been uh, helpful to many and I'm happy about that. Um, do you have a website? Can people find you online? Where can they, right? Where can they find you? Certainly the book is available on any online book retailer. Certainly Amazon would be the easiest way to find it. Choose to prevail as a title of the book. It's also available on pretty much any other online uh, retailers such as target.com or walmart.com or barnesandnoble.com. Um, and it's it's really very exciting. You can also see a lot of uh, book news. It's easy to connect with me uh, on Instagram. The handle is also quite easy to remember. It's at choose to prevail. And there I would love to connect with any of your listeners that might be struggling with a specific issue or that would like additional information on something or that would just like to follow the book journey, see where it's where it's going. And it's actually going quite well. As I was mentioning, the book inspired a video series that will be released in December 2021. So we're looking forward to that as well. And, you know, it's really quite interesting that the book allowed me to meet people that are just so interesting. For instance, one of the people that I have on the on the show is this former wrestler from Canada, no less, from a, a village called Thunder Bay that became very popular in Mexico City in the 90s. However, now as an older gentleman, he's developed, unfortunately, Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. 
So he did something quite interesting. Firstly, he went back to school to study psychology and see if there was anything he could do to, you know, deal with his issue or, you know, make the progression slow down. Unfortunately, he discovered that he could not. So what he did is, firstly, he decided to take this uh, uh, situation and find the silver lining. And he did. He has a fabulous sense of humor. He's a punk rocker. He's just an all-around fascinating man. And one of the things he said is that the one good thing about his uh, condition is that he holds no grudges against anyone because he really cannot remember if anybody did anything bad to him. He also um, does not feel uh, any guilt because, again, he really can't remember if, if he did something that he should be feeling guilty about. And now he's using his... Um, his time to, you know, not not necessarily go back into wrestling, but to help other people that might be struggling with mental health or that um, that might be wanting to explore a healthier diet because he also became a vegan chef in order to help, um, you know, improve his own health. So he, he really went down a very interesting new career path, uh, also doing music and things like that. So really... You know, people's life can really change on a dime, and it's important for us to be nimble enough and optimistic enough and have enough courage and have enough heart to actually do this, effect the change that we need to to effect. Well, Sandy, it was um, it was a great time and a great life story you just shared. You know, like it's, um, yeah, you know, like, you know, like I think there are no little challenges or no little obstacles um that you know like you know like we have to neglect you know like everything i think adds up in people's lives people you know get you know like from you know like the, the from the smallest thing to you know like the, the much bigger things which can actually accelerate the destruction of your individual right you know like if you know for someone that uses drug for example mm -hmm. that's you know like that's um you know, like it, it kind of accelerates your your own self destruction, while you know, like um, people would think that you know, like not using the highway would take a while, but you know, like it's inside that it adds up. You know, like it's inside that you know, like it, it you know, like it could go from not wanted, not wanting to, to even drive a car at some point, um, and you know, like that's that's um, that's a great thing that you did. It should just confront everything you know and and just um take everything and and decide to you know make your life better through all of these challenges thank you so much i really enjoyed speaking with you and i i i see that you also have so uh, so fascinating uh of a guest selection i've listened to many of your episodes and it's just fantastic that a lot of people are indeed you know choosing to overcome whatever is tripping them up be it something that others might consider small but to them, it's not small. So I agree, there are no small challenges. Exactly, and um, and thank you. Really appreciated the time, and um, I wish you the best, Sandy. Really. Thank you kindly, Alex. Take care. Bye bye. Bye.